We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. Ah, uh, yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10, as you can find me. One of my favorite Canadians is back in the building, and he got the Bret Hart shades going, eh? It's just too bright in here with your big-ass forehead. Oh, <laughs> shit. Damn. On my own show. He said that because I <laughs> violated him. I said that, yo, you're pale as shit. You do need a suntan. I've been trying to get in here. I'm a little, like, pinky lately, you know? Just yeah. trying to get the sunlight in is tough when you're trying to record videos all day inside. It's also, I got, I got very lucky because over the weekend I was staying at a friend's house. So mm-hmm. I was out by the pool the whole time. And I'm Ukrainian too. So it's not like we're known for being, you know, not yeah. pale. Yeah. We're not known for being tan. Yeah. I'm, I, I usually like, bro, I get, when I get sunburned, I get it like, obviously like in my shoulders, mm-hmm. but you know where the worst purse, the worst place I ever got a sunburn was? What? Like on the tops of your on feet? The shoelaces of your Dude. feet, bro. Right before I went to go coach pro hockey, pro hockey, I was getting ready, getting my stuff packed up. We, I went to the beach to hang out with the boys. I put sunscreen everywhere else but the top of my feet. I was working at Under Armour still. I went in for my shift. They let me work barefoot behind the counter because my feet were swelling so much. Yeah. I had the entire top layer of skin peel off the top of my foot, and then I had to put skates on. Ooh. Dude, it was the worst. Like, literally, like, maybe, like, this big chunk of skin off the top of my feet. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I know your pain, dude. It sucks. Sunscreen your feet. I never, I never did that. And I was in the Hamptons for a wedding. So it was like one of those like Mm. destination weddings, even though it was, it's in, it's in New York, but it's deep out in the island. And bro, I got, we got there like on a Friday, we got there early. The wedding was on a Saturday, but Friday, just being out in the sun all day, I get the sunburn there. And then I couldn't put my shoes on. Yeah. And I had never thought about putting sunscreen. Neither there. had I. It was and now it's 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 always the shoulders, a little bit on the face, and then on top of my feet. Was, Everywhere else, I don't care. It's insane that we have like a such similar story. I didn't expect any of it to happen, and it was so painful. My feet were like legitimately swollen, and I had to drive like from basically Niagara Falls to Watertown, New York, which is like maybe like four and a half hours. I had to rip the whole way there, and I'm like one shoe was off while I was driving because I like just couldn't I couldn't do the pain. It was so swollen. Yeah, it's no joke, bro. 
It's no joke. And the sun is crazy out here. Oh, dude, it's not good for a person like me. Like, people talk about <laughs> me moving out here, and I'm like, dude, I'm translucent. It's going to, like, I'm going to be gone. You won't see me no more. Yeah. I'll just burn right through. <laughs> going to have to get that SPF 800, bro. I thought about getting a spray tan before I came here. Mm. I'm being sarcastic, but, like, you know, you got you to gotta try and, like, sun yourself a little bit. But, man, this is a crazy week. You can already see the environment and everybody getting all excited down here. Yeah, International Fight Week. It's the first one that I'll be in Vegas for. Have you ever been out here? For yeah, my week? first time I was down here. The first interviews I ever did was down here. My first interview, Stitch Duran. Second interview, Giga Chikotse. Wow. It took me right in. No practice, no prep, no tips. Just right in. That's dope. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm interviewing Stitch again. So full circle. Okay. Let's get it, man. This is the first one for me. I've always known about Fight Week being insane and it being such a monumental event for the ufc i, I always tell people that are your casuals that this is like their super bowl oh this yeah is, this is their marquee event they got the hall of fame almost every bar casino has fighters kind of doing meet and greets yep. autograph signings the whole nine so it's a really fun time and i'm seeing it too a lot of people coming in a lot of people coming in today yep. for the first time like you did also so i want to talk about ufc 290 but as i like to do with Anytime I break down a UFC card, mainly pay-per-views, yeah, we'll give you who we think is going to win and how we think the fight is going to play out, but I love trying to find storylines within each fight, especially like the marquee fights. So generic, basic question I like asking when it comes to the pay-per-views. From a 1 to 10, what's your excitement level for this one? Like a soft 7.5? Yeah, I was going to say 8. Yeah, like obviously, like I yeah. want Brandon to win. I like Volk. Like there's guys on this card that I that I'm excited to go see. Uh, I'd be more excited if I was going to be in the stands for it. Maybe mm -hmm. I'd say a nine, but it's a pretty good card, all things considered. International Fight Week last year, though, there was a lot of stuff going on with that one too. You know, some Super Bowls are great, some are fantastic. This is basically you're just splitting hairs at this point. Yeah, it's a it's a really good card. It's a deep card. Oh yeah, that's true. Like it might not have. And it's going to be a conversation that we'll have. And you know what? Fuck it. Let's have it now. Where do you put Volkanovski as far as the, the star ranking in the UFC right now? Because I, ha I have a take when it comes to Volk. Top five for sure. He's per like people like him. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of people that like don't like that guy unless they're Russian. So like he's got a good personality. Like he was on Andrew Schultz's podcast, Flagrant. And when like, I'm like, yo, I love this guy in the stories he's telling. He's real. He doesn't really hold much of anything back, but he seems like if you met him in person, he'd just be the same person. So I like, I, I like that a lot. When I evaluate fighters, it's not necessarily always like, oh, they're the most exciting guy. But if I like, like them as a personality, sometimes it can like elevate them that much more. Just like GSP, like the sweetest guy in the world, right? Everybody loves him. Well, yeah, you have to show your personality, not just as a fighter. I think that's when they become the most marketable mm. is when they do start to speak English if they're a foreigner, right? Like, yeah. I love I love what Charles Oliveira did in the last event. Yeah. Sorry, my English is little. It's like, no, that's that's dope, bro. You're trying. Yeah. B became a megastar when he started to speak English. Yeah. Islam starting to speak English. And there's something about it that no matter how great of a fighter you are, it's not relatable. Mm. Then when you start to speak English and you cater to the American audience, which is predominantly the majority of the audience for the UFC, it goes a long way. And I think with Volkanovski, though, it's rare that you see fighters that lose a fight end up leaving the fight better yeah. than when they came in, like he did against Islam. But I think Volkanovski right now, I was having this conversation with some of the guys that I train with. Dude, I think he's the most perfect fighter right now in the UFC. He's great everywhere. 
he doesn't do no dumb shit. No, that's true. Like, I was watching Armin Sarukian a couple weeks ago, and he was like a minus 1,500 favorite against Joaquin Silva. And I'm watching that fight, and I'm saying to myself, yo, there's only one way that Armin could lose this is if he gets caught. Mm. Ends up getting caught, does a chicken dance, right? And then gets lucky with a single leg, and then, you know, ends up winning the fight, gets a stoppage. But the reason why I bring up that example is Volkanovski doesn't do no dumb shit. He doesn't put himself in danger. Mm-hmm. Even the, the, the incident with T-City, Brian Ortega, the two choke attempts, it's like Brian Ortega got him there. Mm. It's not like Volk did something dumb and slipped into it or fell into a triangle. It's like, no, Ortega's a jujitsu mastermind, and he ended up putting him there. But I think right now Volkanovski is the best, obviously the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC. Wholeheartedly agree with that. I also think he's the most complete fighter in the UFC right now. Oh, UFC right now, for sure. Like, he shines ways the same way GSP did, where, like, yeah. you didn't have to worry about GSP in, like, any scenario. Yep. Volka's a lot similar, but I think the rugby background set him up so perfectly because of the trial and error and mistake-making and, like, not wanting to let your teammates down. Going into, like, a single-person sport, I think put him in a position where he's able to do things and understand the consequences of things. And, again, pressure for him is probably going to be quite low because, I mean, Australian rugby... They go nutty in the crowd. So he's already used to it coming into the UFC, making his debut. He's already used to the craziness, right? So I think he set himself up perfectly as a, you know, guy transitioning from another sport. But you see that a lot with those guys that do transition over. Like they're, they come in and they're good. Like at not necessarily fighting, but being composed and doing the right things. They, the transition, I think, in my opinion, seems smoother. Yeah, it does. And also him, he, he just does so many things that I like. And obviously the rugby background is, is massive because also like how big he was. Like he was, <laughs> he was like 215. <laughs> yeah. 215 at five foot six or however tall he is. Yeah. But you know, do you think he stays at 145 for much longer? No, I don't think it makes sense, especially as guys get older. Uh yeah. for it's the same thing with like Algerine Sterling, where it just goes like it doesn't make sense for him to keep cutting the weight and your body starts to reject it a little bit. Uh now both of those two guys are freak athletes, but I think it would benefit a lot of guys, especially at the lower divisions there where you're going just 10 pounds up. As you get older, to maybe make a shift at some point. A lot of guys try and make the shift too later. They make the shift down when they're like 36 and go down to 145, and they used to be 155ers, and then that doesn't go well. And we've seen that pretty much all, every time a guy used to go to would kind of go down when they're older. I don't think it's ever really worked out for anybody. No, nah, the only one in recent memory, as you were talking about, that I thought of that did really well when they went down was Aldo. Yeah. Until he ran into, like, Peter Yan, but Peter Yan was a menace. Yeah, and then got 19 hits to the back of the head, and they yeah. didn't stop the fight. That yeah. was a little bit of a Tip little it. bit of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a rough one there. But I think Volkanovski is he's, he's a big favorite in this main event, mm-hmm. obviously against Yair Rodriguez. I think, it's, I think it's justified. But, yo, Yair is... Yair is the most exotic striker, I think. In yeah, the he's got sneaky kicks, and it's hard to bet against a guy with sneaky kicks because the liver of the head can get hit with that one funky shot when one guy just thought he was jumping back and was out of range, and then you get that toe right in there. I don't... I, this is a fight, like, I don't like betting against Yara Rodriguez because, like, especially even live betting him because he can be getting beat up for four rounds, and then the fifth round he throws a wheel kick or he does something funny, and then the, the fight's just over. It's it's tough to bet against a guy like that. I like Volk to win, but 
I wouldn't, I don't feel comfortable laying money on this fight. I think this is a legitimate challenge for Alex. I think it is only in the sense of how weird of a striker he is, yeah. or exotic of a striker he is. I also think Volk, though, could break him. Oh, yeah. Because we break in the past, too. Yeah, and it, like, what are we going to see? Like, a lot of wrestle-hugging, elbows in the clinch, like, getting them yeah. down to the ground, knees in the clinch, knees on the ground, elbows on the ground. That would not work in Yair's favor. And Volk is such a unit mm. at that weight class and, you know, his height and everything like that. I feel like that's really hard to defend against because Yair is a little bit slimmer if you compare, you know, just sizes. I know that doesn't necessarily always equate to, like, something being one way in the fight or another because smaller guys win or taller guys win all the time. But if they get into certain situations, yeah, I can see Yair getting put in the deep water quick. Yeah, I like... I like that he trains at elevation. Mm -hmm. He's looked really good in his last couple of fights. Obviously, what he did to Emmett, the pace that he put on Emmett, and yeah. he put him away. It was both of them fought uh, back in February um, in Abu Dhabi, right? That was Abu Dhabi? That was somewhere, but it was a beating for sure. Yeah, but I think it was... Oh, no, no. It was in... New Jersey? It was in Australia. Right, yeah. It was in Australia. Into yeah, his backyard. Yeah, That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, dude, minus 400 for Volkanovski. Yair is plus 285. I kind of like Volk to win in the championship rounds. Yeah, like a four or five? Yeah. Yeah. I it, think the pace that he puts on him. I mean, he looked fresh as a daisy round five against, uh, against Islam. Yeah. And Yair, yeah, we know about the elevation, but, dude, you start throwing a ton of kicks like that, it can tire yourself out. Yeah. Some of the, the, the capoeira stuff that he does also could be – very gas draining and he's a guy with the exotic kicks result in catastrophic injuries so like he's a guy who lands funny after throwing something he goes it's over there's a lot of factors that kind of fall into that um and especially too if he throws something crazy then volk just chops the leg out with his tree trunks you can see some problems there for sure what do you think about the only way yair can win this is by stoppage do you think he could take a decision no off? no right no. so the reason why i asked that is because He's plus 285 on the money line, Yair Rodriguez. He's 10 to 1 to win on points, but him to win inside the distance is plus 400. I feel as if if I'm going to bet this fight, I'm not on Yair. But if I was going to bet on Yair, yep. I think I would take him inside the distance at plus 400 because I don't think he could take a five-round decision off Volkanovski. I mean, no one has been able to. No, no. Islam got him, but it was... I was okay with the decision. Yeah. I wasn't screaming robbery, robbery. I don't no, think it was no, that no. crazy, but I think it's going to take something really special for you to be able to beat him for 25 minutes. No, I don't. Like, if you compared and saw Yair go up and fight Islam, I might bet, like, Islam round one or two. So you can make the comparison now. I mean, it's tough. MMA math always gets you in trouble one way or the other, but I don't necessarily feel that Yair has any chance at winning by decision. And also betting line wise, you're having to take like an, a crazy line to try and like find value in that fight too. That's what, what part of the reason why betting MMA is so hard when you're like looking at these main events and they get so much juice in there and like one favorite just starts to run away with it when it's a little bit closer than it really is in all these MMA fights. But then you'll see like Shevchenko being like a minus 1700 or something wild. And I go, it's closer than that. But the betting line kind of runs away sometimes. I mean, bro, I talk about that shit all the time. All the time, how... There are certain fights, and I understand I say this a lot. So I sound like a broken record. But people get confused when they see some of the bets that I make, and they're like, bro, you bet both sides. Last week, for example, 
Bonfim against St. Denise. I was on the underdog. I thought that line was ridiculous. I took St. Denise by submission plus 800, but I took Bonfim by knockout plus 200. I thought that was the only way. It was like minus 800 the fight wasn't going to go to distance. Yeah. So if it, if it happens to go to a decision, then so be it. I lose it. I have no problem betting both sides. You have a, you have a two-to-one prop and you have an eight-to-one prop. Either of them hits, you're going to have a profit. Mm-hmm. If it goes the distance or if, you know, Bonfim beats him by submission, so be it. But, again, path to victory. I think that's the only way those guys can win those fights. So that's why I'm presenting the case with Yair inside the distance. That's why there are so many fights that I have to bet the underdog because I think the line is wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the line is wrong here. I think Volk should be a bigger favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, minus 400, you look at that. I That's within reason to bet, depending on how confident you are in a fight. Especially if you're like, if you're going to look at this long term, if you bet him minus 400 for a while, you could theoretically make your money back even if he loses once. So it's not horrible. But yeah, sometimes these main events get crazy lines. This one seems probably like the most reasonable one like that closest to the actual odds of the fight. You know what I mean? What do you think of Volk 18 to one in round four and 24 to one in round five? I mentioned him winning yeah. the stoppage in I the mean, championship rounds. If you're really trying to pick it really tight, you can, you can see that being a much better bet than the minus 400. And if you're doing like, if you're actively trying to do your research on this stuff, theoretically you find those spots, you, you're going to be making your money. Cause just that line is nuts. Right? Yeah. If you, yeah, if you're able to really get confident about that, I, those two make so much more sense than a 400. How do you feel about the co-main for this fight? My best friend, Brandon Moreno. Let's go. That's your Instagram profile. Picture. Yeah, I mean, my boy. He probably wouldn't recognize me in public, but yeah. he. So uh, your boy, though. That's fine. Yeah, he's my guy. Um, super, so like super straight up dude. When I, when I talked to him, he basically was like, yeah, like, I feel very relaxed and calm going into this fight, but I understand the position that I'm in where, you know, he's, he's down against this guy multiple times. He's got to come in here and do something different. I just don't know if we have the same Brandon Moreno anymore. I think it's a different guy. I'm glad you mentioned that though, because they're advertising this as Moreno Pantoja too, but they've fought twice before. This is the third time. Yeah. One of them was on the contender series and they kind of don't count that towards a uh, trilogy or a yeah. legacy of, uh, of fighters fighting one another. So yeah, he's down 2-0. Yeah. And it's fascinating because you've had a, you've had a Mexican movement in MMA mm-hmm. for like the last six to eight months, starting with Moreno getting the title back. And then you had Grasso with the big upset. You have Yair now as an interim. You had Aldana fight for a title. I know it didn't work out well for her, oh, God. but she also fought for the title. And now you're going to have a Mexican champion leave guaranteed on Saturday. They're already hyping up the September card on Mexican Independence Day with Shevchenko and Grasso. It's cool to see. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see because Mexican culture, the country of Mexico, they love fighting. Yep. And especially when you have guys and girls that are now champions in the UFC, it goes a long way. With Moreno... It's funny that he is down 0-2. He is the favorite in this one, slight favorite. But it seems like he has more pressure than Pantoja. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, and I mean, like fights on tough, you got to consider it. It's a real fight. Both guys are trying to get their thing done no matter what. So yeah, he's down 2-0. 
and Pantoja's coming in as the like the boogeyman of the division. And Moreno's been able to have a lot of success. I mean, the quadrilogy and everything like that. Obviously, he's been fighting the same guys over and over again. When I asked him about that, he just said, look, I just look at this as another opportunity to go out there and show my best and continue to get another opportunity to fight for a title. And he's, I think he's looking at it the right way. If he was really like vitriolic and like trying to get into Pantoja and talk about like how he's actually better and this, that, and the other thing, I'd be really concerned. But he seems to have the perfect attitude for this rematch. As I'm looking at the lines right here, you got Moreno at minus 205, Pantoja at plus 158. Can I tell you a bet that I really like? What? You can make these bets sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. How fight will end? Plus 300 by submission. I really like this. When this fight got announced, in my head, I said, someone's getting submitted. And both of them have a lot of submission wins on their record. Both of them have lost by submission mm -hmm. on their records as well. That number just stood out to me, man. Plus 300. I think this fight ends by stoppage. I love fight doesn't go. And also, you know, it is the co-main, but it's a title. So it is five rounds. But these guys hunt for finishes. Yep. And I just think that plus 300, that, that, that might be one of my favorite bets of the weekend. Yeah, and if you're looking at both guys too, like Pantoja's aggressive with subs like from the top and bottom, so that could put that could be a whole thing. Moreno could stun him, and then Pantoja can throw a sub up, right? So I think if either guy goes to the ground quickly, uh, you're going to see a potential for someone to just throw something up. Um, I still like Moreno in this fight. I know, like theoretically, if you do MMA math, he, he's fought some really tough, talented guys. Both guys have. I like Moreno just with, with some of the edge of who he's beat recently, but with Pantoja, I mean, he's, his ground game is really sneaky, so it's really hard to say either side. I like being able to bet just method of who wins what. I'm looking at this division, and I'm looking at the rankings. It's such a weird division to me, bro. Yeah. It's a really weird division for me because... For the longest time, it's nice to see Moreno not fight Figueredo mm -hmm. about that one because we had that for was it like 30 months in a row. It was the only matchups that they were having. Like them two were just yeah. fighting each other. So they kind of put the whole division on pause. And then you're looking at it like Albazi, a little controversial against Kai Kara France, I think. I think that would be yeah. more robbery than Volkanovski and Islam. We got Brandon Royval, who I love Brandon Royval. Best nickname in all of MMA, Raw Dog. <laughs> right? Talk about a guy that hunts for finishes. He definitely does. And then you're looking at it like Alex Perez. He just has been snake bit by injury. Dude just is always pulling out of fights. Schnell, Manel Kopp, Makayev. Like, what's good with his knee? Yeah. Dude would rather just have his knee shred than get knee barred and lose that fight a couple of months ago. So... I don't know, man. This division is a weird division, but I think I think at the top, and what I mean by at the top is like the top three, four guys, you mix and match. I think you get some bar fights, and I think mm. you're going to get one this weekend. Yeah, I, I hope that we see like just some excitement. There's like a bunch of other fights on the card that are relevant too. Like there's a lot of stuff going on at middleweight. Like depending on how this weekend goes, we might know who's up next. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just... 
there's a lot of good fights, but uh, one of the things that I've realized uh, after watching these fights for long enough is that when you get really hyped up about a card, that's when it's like decision, decision, decision. When you get so just ready to go, then massive disappointment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed always seems to come middleweight yeah okay so you know how i told you that i like to create storylines and kind of talking points within each fight Mm -hmm. do you think it's possible for you to be the best fighter in your division but not be the champion a thousand percent there's been situations like with tony ferguson for years where it was clear because khabib wasn't fighting and the fight keep getting canceled, and people are go, this is the guy in the division, he's the best. And then people are saying, no, it's Khabib. Well, looking back at it now, Khabib was the best in that division, but it was entirely possible with Tony Ferguson the whole time. Uh, I, I don't think that's fair to Tony. Are, are you weighing how Tony has, Tony, his career has gone? Because I don't think that's fair, because at the time, at the time, my buddy Boss, who I used to do Veterans Minimum with, he would always say, like, yo, best 155 in the world is, is Tony Ferg. I just, from what I saw Khabib do and what I've seen Tony do recently across the last six fights, I felt less and less confident as time went on that that fight would have been favorable for Tony. If you had asked me at the time when uh, Khabib pulled out and it was the fifth time it was canceled, I would have said Tony Ferguson's the best. But then the way he fought Gaethje, and I know apparently he stayed at weight for like weeks because he was trying to prove a point or something and that didn't play in his favor. A lot of people forget that. He did a, yeah. he did a double weight cut. He yeah. weighed in because that happened during COVID. Yep. Remember, that was supposed to be the Brooklyn card in April. So Tony Ferguson made weight to prove a point in April, and then he fought Gaethje again in May. I believe it was like three weeks, Rob. Yeah. Not exactly the most optimal thing for your body. No. But I don't think it's fair because I always, I always like Tony. Mm. And I don't think it's fair to look at how his career has transpired also losing to juggernauts, right? Oh, he's like, fighting the contenders. And yeah, yeah. That's it's, what, it's not like what happened, all due respect, to Donald Cerrone. Yeah. That, that is ugly to me. When a fighter is fighting kind of jobbers, to use a wrestling term, if you're losing to Gaethje and Dariush and Oliveira, it's like, yeah, dude, look at who's been running 155 since. And that's why I thought it was insane that Dan Hooker was acting like it was beneath him when his manager said, hey, like, I'd like the Tony Ferguson fight. And then Hooker goes, like, I was embarrassed when that was the fight that my manager was trying to get for me. And I go, 
Dan, you haven't beat one of the top guys in years. And also Tony's only fighting guys that are either the champion, contender, or, you know, we're right up there to almost win a title. So like, what are we talking about, Dan Hooker? Like you're somehow not, you're been like Tony Ferguson's beneath you. Come on. That was wild. Yeah, that, he was said a, that. that was a rough take for the hangman. That I think was that was, take. I think it was on called for in his, his dyed haircut that he's got going in now with fight week. I'm he like, the, that's he a got bad the Charlie move. Olives going. It's, yeah, it's a bad he look. So the reason why I ask this is because I, I believe that at 185 in the UFC, the best fighter in the world is Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And I know people hear that and they don't understand because he's not the champion. Izzy's up 2 0 on him. But I think Whitaker is similar to what I said about Volkanovsky. I think they're cut from the same cloth. I think both of them are really great everywhere. Mm-hmm. And dude, Whitaker since 2014, you know who he's lost to only? Israel Adesanya. Yeah, and that is it. The problem with that too is you look at the second fight, and people that were getting really into it were thinking that you could argue Whitaker won the second fight because Izzy didn't do anything, and Robert also didn't do very much, but he pushed the pace a little bit more. But Izzy hit him a little bit more, and it was one of those like, I wouldn't want to be a judge for this fight because this is getting into the point where you're getting into the fine details for it. But I, Whitaker gets starts the first fight. We know how that went. Yeah. Second fight, he's trying to have a fight, and then the other guy doesn't necessarily want to fight it. Um, hard to say, but then you look at what Izzy did in his last couple of fights, and you're like, oh, man, he's, he's, got, he's got the bomb still, too. If he actually went after Rob, is he going to be able to catch the bomb the same as he did to Alex? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's tough to say because he also caught Rob, too. Yeah. But I think this one is, this might be the most fascinating fight on the card. Probably. Because I think when they first announced this fight, I tweeted out something like, if Robert Whitaker isn't north of minus 500, it's a steal. Yeah. He's minus 400 right now. He opened up at minus 250. So people have been hammering Robert Whitaker. Yeah. And I think so, right? Like, Duplessis, I, I, I think, hot take, I think the UFC wants is to win. I think it makes a really good title fight. I think immediately he beats Whitaker because also Whitaker is the number one contender. Yeah. So it, it's very similar. This is very similar, dude, to Strickland Pereira. <laughs> yeah. Because Strickland had no business taking that fight. The UFC promised him, yeah, if you win this, probably get a title shot. I'm sure they probably told Whitaker the same thing because like there's also nothing else left for him to do. Yep. And I think Duplessis, they've already, him and Izzy have been going about like, who's the real African champion? Who's a real African fighter? You don't, you're not from here. You were born here. Like all this stuff that they've been going back and forth, but he's plus 285. Duplessis in round one is ultra live and dangerous. Mm -hmm. But man, this guy has awful cardio in rounds two and three. And, and his last fight when he, well, when he fought, fought Brunson, Brunson also had some rough cardio and then Darren Till also, you know? So like, I don't know about Duplessis when it comes to this level. Yeah. That's why it's so intriguing to me. Yeah. It should be a good fight. Like imagine if this was a five round main event, I think you could look at the fight a little differently and really oh, lean in for question. Rob. Yeah. So like a five rounder would be, would be actually pretty fun in this situation. Cause it, I think it would open up what you could bet a little bit more. 
But look at like a three rounder, three, five minute rounds with these two guys. The first round should be fireworks. And then the other two, I would say we're probably going to level off quite a bit. And you'll probably see Rob push the pace for two and three and probably keep him on the outside. Um, that's just my opinion. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. You could get Whitaker at plus 190 on points. I think that's a really good bet. I also think you could take Whitaker in round two plus 430. You take Whitaker in round three plus 650. I love that one because Duplessis in round one is very dangerous and he'll look, he might even steal round one. I'll go out and say it. Yeah, no. I think he might go out there and steal round one. But you're going to see when they come off the stool in round two, a boy's going to look like he needs a defibrillator. Yeah, no, this is definitely going to be, if I had to like pick it perfectly, I'd say round one to Dracus and then two and three to Rob. Yeah, so maybe maybe instead of laying minus 400, maybe you could come in live on Whitaker after round one. Yeah, and sometimes the lines move pretty crazy live. It's hard to do, especially one thing that I'll put up is if you're not using the UFC stream, do not bet live because you can be at a 35, 45 second or up to a minute delay. Yeah. So if you're that far behind or even a webcast can really end up crushing you, you got to be careful with the live bets. It's not as crazy as the way the NFL is, but if you get a line and then two seconds later, the guy has been knocked out and you feel really silly because you didn't see the guy fall into the ground before you put it in. Yeah, that can be, that can be, that can be rough. But in between rounds, you can maybe get something good in there. I agree with you. Streaming makes it so difficult to bet live, bro. Oh, NFL's drive props is ruined. Up yeah. in Canada, because it's a rebroadcast from America to the Canadian, I think the one game I was at a 16-second delay. I was doing some drive props. I don't recommend it now, but, yeah, I, I can only stream stuff. Cable's ridiculous in Canada. And for what? Canada, we have three channels you're going to watch football on. I'm not going to get cable just to watch those. I won't watch it any other way. Yeah. So, like, that, that I'm only watching for sports. So yeah, that's 16 second delay when you're trying to live, live bet. It's just, you have to wait for commercial breaks. That's like the only opportunity you're going to have to make something that isn't going to end up screwing you. And you got to sometimes even time it to when you think that the commercial break is coming because you are delayed. It could be, it could be a rough go, man. But yeah. for me, I think Whitaker is my favorite. Him and it's weird because him and Adesanya are my two favorite fighters in the yeah. UFC and they're both rivals and they're both in the same division. But if I wasn't a fan of Whitaker, I'd be rooting for Duplessis. Yeah, it, like I like the storyline, and for people that make videos like I do, sometimes it's like something crazy. Please happen. Can we please have guys that are going to say offensive stuff to each other because it makes good content storylines. Yep. People pay attention to stuff. It just gets views. It also gets the casual fan intrigue yes. too, bro. It gets that person that doesn't know anything about Duplessis. Like, holy shit, he's attacking Adesanya. He's attacking this guy. Yeah. Like, say what you want about Sean Strickland. Like he gets people, attention. He gets attention. Yeah, straight up. Like, and he said some wild stuff that I'm not going to repeat, but he's getting people to pay attention to him. Now, yeah. do I agree with everything he's saying? Absolutely not. But his fights are pretty good. It's the same way I, I like Colby Covington when I watch him fight. The second I hear words coming out of his mouth, not a big fan of that guy. There's some guys who, you know, they get the extra attention, but they're also fantastic fighters. When you have some guys who can't fight, who just talk wild stuff that can be a bit of a a bit of a bummer and we've seen those guys flame in and out of the ufc post conor mcgregor era but dude the thing that drives me the craziest and this isn't just about sports or the ufc just in general like why do you have to agree with everything about something i think that you don't have to agree with everything but if they're saying some stuff that's like crazy out of pocket 
Like there's like a, there's a line where like, it's something that we believe that everyone should agree on. And then like, it's like some guy says, I don't like asparagus. And people are like, you're crazy. Why are you saying that? Like cancel this guy, that type of stuff. Who, who cares? But if it's like, you're saying stuff that's clearly offensive to everyone. Yeah. Then, or if you're being fake with it too, that's another thing is if I can tell you're being so disingenuous and you're not actually like a huge conservative trying to fight for the man. And I'm like, yeah, then I don't, I don't dig that. Okay. You, you kind of swung me a little bit because I, I know I have so many friends, dude, that can't separate the, the character persona from the fighter. Yeah. Like they hate everything about Strickland and everything about Covington. No, it's all a game. Have they not watched anything from Chael Sonnen? Yeah. They're playing the heel. Now, when some guys play the heel and it's cringy, we're not going to like, we're not going to want to watch that. But if they're winning and they're really good and they talk some crazy stuff, it works very well in their favor. And it there's does. some of these brand deals that these guys go for where it's not necessarily that they're trying to get the attention of a fan base or stuff like that is it opens them up to get endorsements from companies that may, they maybe wouldn't be able to get anything from other companies, because, but they're a small guy in the UFC and they say wild stuff along one line. It opens up some brand opportunities for them. So I think some guys, it's, I think more guys than not, it's very calculated the way they present themselves. The ones who say things that people pay attention to. Who do you got between Whitaker and Duplessis? Probably Rob, but this is one where I would definitely bet round two or three for Whitaker, but not really get too much into anything else on that. Can I give you a parlay that I like for the three fights that we've won over so far? You bet, and you know how I feel about parlays, but give it to me. Yo, listen, man. <laughs> listen, man. I, know, I know because of the people that you know, professional betters and whatnot, and I respect them, and they've been doing it a long time. I understand. They hate parlays. I get it. But, yeah, if you're worried about, you know, positive EV and, <laughs> and turning a profit and all that shit, fine. Don't do parlays. But if you want to just, like, crack open a couple of beers and be with your friends and put some dumb bets in and have some fun, yeah, let's parlay. I'm a parlay guy, bro. I'm nah, a parlay guy. I'm I, think it's, I think it's fun. And, and like, one, one thing that drives me crazy about sports betting culture is – it's too much like you're, you're against the spread record and you're, you know, what's your net profit? It's like, bro, sometimes I want to just have fun. Like, why can't, why, why is it bad to have fun? Rob? It's not bad to have fun, but my fun is getting dingers all the time. And like, I'm the guy that's going to take a B12 shot and then go look at the positive EV screen and try and find some lines I like. So if I'm winning money, I'm just as happy as if like I won like a plus 1800. If I win, say seven plus one fifties, mm -hmm. I'm equally as happy as opposed to hitting the huge dinger. I parlay stuff. Don't get me wrong. And when it comes to the UFC, I stink at it. Don't listen to my bets. I order on Orlando like four dinners because I can't pick them on the UFC. <laughs> but I just got into such a mold because of who taught me everything that I, I'm like, okay, now that I'm winning and I can post a winning record and everything like that. And I try and be authentic with like my, I only want to win attitude. <laughs> It just is what it is, you know? Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because I have, I have one bankroll that is for, you know, my straight bets, my serious bets, my two, three unit bets. I have one account for that. Then I have another one, dude, where it's like, I call it the why not parlay of the week. Mm -hmm. I want to try to win a down payment for the house I want to buy through betting. Like that is, that is a goal mm -hmm. to troll people. To, to just like be that guy and be like, yo, you know how I got this house? I hit an eight leg UFC parlay. I have a little bit of that when it comes to futures. Like I have like a quarter of a unit on some like silly stuff, like some just right. absolutely out there things 
but it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna really get to care too much. It's quarter unit. Maybe say I have like seven of those bets on the year, but that's where I can be like, I had my fun. I bet Baker Mayfield NFL MVP. Right, right, right. Or comeback player of the year. But like, you know. Because like, yo, there was a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I gave out some plays on the Patreon and one of them was Saruki in round two, Saruki in round three. Saruki in round three was like 18 to one. I think I hit three out of the 12 bets I gave out that, that card. But I hit an 18 to one. Yeah. So I'm technically, I was like three and nine on my plays, but you hit that prop. Yep. And, you know, I do a subathon every week, which is for fun. And that's picked up some momentum. People always asking about the subathons. This one is a little bit of submission, but Whitaker by points, Volkanovsky inside the distance, and the co main to end by submission 32 to one odds. Hey, is it money? I mean, this is confirmed is what it really is. <laughs> that's what we're doing with that one. That bet is in. So if you guys want to tail, tail, let's have some fun. Also straight bet them too. Yeah, yeah. I, right? I do a little bit of that sometimes. All the, all the parlays you see me post, I straight bet them. Yep. I'm a $25, $50 better, bro. Come NFL when I really like a game, I mean like, yo, this is the spot of the year like, this is my favorite play. I'll go to, like, two, 300 bucks straight bet. Yep. I'll do that. But I'm basically a $25, $50 better. With these props, I'll bet them all $25, $20, and then I'll parlay it for 25 And if I go four or five, you're looking at some, you know, plus 800s, plus 650s, plus 225s. You're turning a profit. And that's the post that'll get you all the attention too. That's the thing is that the, the absolute just home run dinger. That's what the, that's what the people want to see. Nowadays, sports betting is, can these $25 win me a hundred thousand? Yep. That's what people want to see. And that's a sports book sort of blame on that though. Cause it's all they advertise now. Yeah. And all the social media accounts, <laughs> Bleacher Report, ESPN, BR betting, all that stuff. Yeah, and it, it gives me content too when I talk about like my betting stuff. Like I, I've had a, a year that I don't know if I can repeat, but like I, when I talk about other people's stuff, and I'm like, yeah, like they only give out these like same game parlays. That's the only stuff this person's given about. You sh maybe like that's not necessarily the person you want to. You want to talk to the guy that mixes some stuff up in there. Yeah. If you're just betting same game parlays all the time, you're basically just doing a lottery ticket. You might as well go buy a lottery ticket. You're gonna get paid more when that hits. Yeah, it's um. It's weird, man. It's just what people want nowadays. Yeah, I mean, if the and that's the thing is you're able to do with what your money, whatever that you want. If it isn't working, like you know, you can change your bets whenever you want. You don't have to pay for that service. You don't have to bet with that sports book. You can go around and do whatever you want. That's actually kind of the beauty of things now is the options for literally everything related to betting are huge. Before we wrap up this conversation about UFC 290, I want to ask you something that ties into two fights on this card. One of them is. <clears throat> the opener for the pay-per-view, Bo Nickel against Val Woodburn, who has taken this fight on short notice. Yep. And then the other one is Jack Della Maddalena is also taking a fight on short notice. Well, he's he's taking the fight against an opponent who's taking it on short notice. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean Brady had to pull out of the fight. <clears throat> My question to you is, are all short notice fights made equal? And how do you feel about fighters taking on short notice fights? Man, I'm really not a big fan of this. Um, I see some guys who take the opportunity because they're getting something out of it where they're the guy that's coming in on three days notice where they get a title shot if it works out, those type of things. I, I like those. 
But when you're a guy like Bo Nickel, there's no advantage being given here, especially because they're going up against a guy who's probably going to be a little harder to do film on because he's coming. He's not in the UFC. This is his day. He's going to make his debut. Also undefeated. Um, there's some problems with that. I think this is a bad tactical move by Bo Nickel, unless they're giving him like an extra paycheck on top of this one to, to make up for it. Um, getting the UFC to owe you one only goes so far when you're that rising prospect. But even if they throw him one, I don't think the risk matches the reward. No, not at the stage of the career he's in. Maybe if he was like a title contender. Because we're looking at Bo Nickel and people are hyping up Bo Nickel. And I think it's way too soon to determine because what does he have? Like four and a half minutes of UFC time? Yeah, and, and that like, might even be a high number. And four fights. Yeah. There's so much we have, we have no idea. Yeah. And I think people are setting him up to be like a champion and a marketable guy. And, you know, obviously he's American too. They kind of need some American fighters now. Yep. Not as many that could be champion right now in the UFC. I don't think the risk is worth, worth the reward, bro. Even if they were just hypothetical, they were like, yo, we'll throw you an extra 100K. Even if he was fighting CM Punk, I don't think it's worth it. I think if it's CM Punk, it might be worth it, you know. I, and CM Punk is my second favorite wrestler of all time behind Snow Cold Steve Austin. But, yeah, you know, MMA completely different. <laughs> I don't have an issue with a fighter taking a fight on short notice. If it's, like, for, for Woodburn, mm -hmm. bro, yeah, take that. Yeah, he wants it. It's a pay-per-view opener. It's against a big name that you could take a lot from mm -hmm. if you happen to beat this guy. If you're, if you're Max Holloway, when you get the call uh, during fight week of Habib and Tony, yep. and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'm the 145 champ. Let me try and go for legacy, be the one behind the one in you know, 26 and one, whatever it would have been if he would have beat Habib. No problem. But if you're going to take a short notice fight against someone it has to mean something. It has to be yeah. for the title. It has to be that you're guaranteed to, yo, winner of this one. Like, say I'm number nine in the rankings and you're number one. And it's like, yo, winner of this is going to get the title shot. Like, it needs yeah. to make sense. For me to just take it, like, that's why I liked what Val Woodburn did. Like, yeah, bro, I'll, I'll take this. But if this was to be the feature, not even a feature prelim, but like, the second fight on the whole card, I'd be like, mm, I don't know if I would take that. And Bo Nickel doesn't need the UFC to owe him anything right now. Like they love him. He's a marketable fighter and he gets a lot of attention. Like he doesn't need a bone from the UFC. He doesn't need right. it all. owe you one. It doesn't make any sense to me in my opinion. I'm shocked. But at the end of the day, he might just have overruled his bandages and said, Hey, I, I want the smoke. And they gave it to him. You know, they did. They did. And it's going to be fun. I mean, he's minus 2,500 right now. If it closed, Rob, he'd be the biggest favorite in UFC history. Yeah, and it's shocking. If you look at MMA history, you see some wild numbers in the PFL sometimes, and I look at those, and I, it, it attracts me, the, that, the giant number beside the plus, and I, it, I can't get away from it sometimes. Occasionally, I do bet that massive underdog. I bet on Amber Librock against Larosha Pacheco, and look how that went. Sometimes I can't stay away from the underdog when the number gets that, that big. Before we wrap up, roll call for the Patreon. We got... Abel Resin, Ben Coltian, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Platees, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, and Thomas Robinson. And I also want to announce Daniel Gibson is the winner of the tank top for VM for the month of June. And Ben Coltian, you won a bomber jacket. So that was the June giveaway. 
We didn't record earlier this week because of the holiday. So we will pick it up next week with an extra episode. So you'll get three episodes next week of VM. You'll hear Rob again next week also. Um, and also check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash veterans minimum to support the show, especially with the football season coming up. We have some wild giveaways for that. Potentially a trip to Vegas, uh, the NFL Pick'em contest, which is really popular amongst the audience. And we give a thousand dollars out to the winner every year for it. So join the Patreon, depending on the tier, you'll get in on these contests. As far as I go, it's at Nick Day as 10 as you can find me, my man. At the other Babs or at one round with Rob, whether you want hockey, MMA, or whatever, NFL betting, I do them all. Let's go, man. I'm, I'm hyped about that page too, bro. I saw it's been picking up a lot of steam. We're getting some we're getting some dingers in there, but I got a lot of help. Shout out to Sierra Lee. Works on that project with me too. She's dope. Let's go, man. Let's go. We'll catch you guys next time on VM. I'm a gold medalist. Bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell. Main course, beat a venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.